You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Beginning in verse 1, the, our brother, the Apostle Paul, tells us, For freedom, Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take note, hi Paul, I'm telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to do the entire law. And you who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. For we eagerly await through the spirit by faith the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. You are running well. Who persuaded you? Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? This persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. And little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. I myself am persuaded in the Lord. You will not accept any other view. But whoever it is that is confusing you will pay the penalty. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. I wish those who are disturbing you might also let themselves be mutilated. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us as we look at your word. Help us learn what it means for freedom that Christ set us free. And to not put a blockade against the benefits of Christ for us right now. Help us, King Jesus, and it's by the power of the Spirit in your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Oliver is my four-year-old son. He's actually here, and he, he's a blast to be around. Um, he's pretty shy most of the time, like in these kinds of areas and out in public, he's pretty shy. But at home, he is a riot. And it's not every day that your kids remind you of biblical characters, at least good ones. Um, you know, and he, he, he wasn't telling, I, he, he really reminded me of the Apostle Paul. And he wasn't telling Ivy to repent, and he, he wasn't preaching to the dogs or planning a church in his room or anything. I was just wanting him to say that I was right about going to the bathroom. Because sometimes I'm like, buddy, you need to go to the bathroom. No, I don't. I'm like, yes, you do. And we go, and he goes. I go, say it. You were right. Like, I just, you know, it was just a little game we play. And so he didn't, he didn't need to go, but I was just messing with him. I'm tickling him, like, say it, Oliver, say it. And I'm tickling him. He's laughing and said, say it. And I'll stop. And he looked at me and went, never. I was like, just tickling him even more and more and more. And right then at that moment, I thought, that is apostolic gospel tenacity out of my four-year-old. <laughs> never. I'll never give in. And this is what Paul's telling us. Don't submit to legalism because it cuts you off from Christ. Look at verse one. For freedom, Christ set us free. Jesus set you free from sin, Satan, death, the law, from man, from the wrath, all of these things. And look at Paul says, for freedom. Just think about that for a second. Jesus set you free for freedom. It sounds like it came from the redundancy department of redundancy. Set you free. Of course he set me free for freedom. But it's repetitive on purpose. It's a gloriously needed and necessary redundancy because we forget what Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection means for us day in and day out. 
because the Galatians are being persuaded that we must add obeying the law to Christ. We must add living like a Jew to our faith in Christ. We must add following the Jewish code, the diet, to getting circumcised as part of the requirements for being a Christian, for being saved. And Paul says, none of those things, none of them can save and you can't rely on them as a path to salvation. It's a dead end. You don't need more chains. This is what Paul's saying. Jesus set you free for freedom, not for you to get more shackles. Jesus didn't shatter the bonds of your guilt and shame so you can go out and get a fresh set. You're free to be free. Listen, friends, by faith in Christ and his death, his resurrection for your sins, you're saved. Nothing needs to be added to it. Nothing you do adds to it. Nothing you don't do diminishes it. You're totally righteous in Christ forever. And legalists get paranoid here. You can't talk like that. Radical grace, it's dangerous. People do whatever they want. You know what? They're right. Radical grace is wildly dangerous. Grace is the most volatile element in the universe. It's uncontainable. It destroys sin. It conquers the work of Satan. It causes people to be born again. It causes people to turn from their old ways and to cling to a Galilean carpenter. It flips people's lives right side up. It makes sinners holy. It makes the self-righteous humble. Grace is dangerous. And, you know, beloved, legalism terrifies people when you start teaching grace because they say, you maybe heard this, you can't talk about grace. People will do whatever they want. People will start doing whatever they want if you talk about grace. You know, they're right. Radical grace is empowering you to do whatever you want. And you know, what, you know what those who cling to radical grace, you know what they want? Christ. They want Christ. They don't want their sin anymore. They're wanting it less and less, and they want Christ more and more. They want to honor Christ. We want to make much of Jesus. Our aim is to please him, counting everything as loss for the sake of knowing Christ. And that whether we're eating or drinking or playing with our children or repenting of anger or asking our spouse to forgive us or serving a brother or sister in Christ or evangelizing a coworker or going to the nations, it's because we want to. Because Christ has made us new. We want Christ. Freedom. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Free to follow him. Free to walk with him. That's why Paul says in verse one now, Stand firm. Don't submit again to another yoke of slavery. And I love that he says, again, you were already in the bonds, chains, of legalism, no freedom, no hope. Don't do that again. Remember, these Galatians, they're Gentile, non-Jew people. They're former pagan worshipers, worshiping Greco-Roman gods, worshiping in these temples, worshiping Caesar. Paul is telling them, listen, don't, don't trade paganism for legalism. Don't trade paganism for legalism. And don't trade unrighteousness for self-righteousness. This is what a lot of us in the Bible Belt do. We trade our unrighteousness for our self-righteousness and think we're walking with Christ. Paul says, that's not the way of Christ. The way of Christ is trading your unrighteousness for Christ. Trading your self-righteousness for Christ. Don't trade your inability to save yourself for the insanity of thinking you can. Don't trade your sins for your good works. 
We need Christ. And when you have Christ, guys, you have everything you need. Stand firm. Dig in your heels. Never. Not happening. You know, we have this dog. She's insane. She's a horse. This golden doodle. She's six months, seven months old. Weighs 60 pounds. I can barely walk her. And so she's been, you know, when we were training her, we had her tethered on a leash to the door. So she's getting used to this little area. And that's where she would play. She was like in her little pen, like a toddler pen. Like, you're little, you know, you're going to stay right here. And then one day, you know, we took her off the leash just to see what she would do. And she just kind of stayed in that little area. She wouldn't move. And eventually I was like, hey, go get that ball. She's like, I can go. Boom. She's free. Every time I look at that insane dog, I think that's a picture of the gospel. I'm free too. I'm no longer chained by sin. I'm no longer chained by Satan. I'm not chained by the opinions of man. And when legalists start marketing their new snazzy yokes of slavery, have nothing to do with it. And a, a yoke, we're not all that familiar because we're suburban people, but a yoke is a big wooden cross piece, farm tool. You would hook up these two animals, yoke them together so they could pull the carts, pull the farm tools, pull the wagon. And Paul's saying, don't be yoked to the law. Don't be yoked to legalism. Don't be yoked to other ways of getting righteous because they can't pull anything. They don't pull their weight and they're crazy heavy and it leaves you all by yourself going nowhere. And remember what Jesus says. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me and I'll give you rest. The way of Christ is not crushing. It's liberating. When Paul says, don't submit again to another yoke of slavery, there are a variety of yokes in this world we've got to watch out for. And the Galatians was trying to live like a Jew, obey the whole law, get circumcised to be saved, all that. Us, here in the Bible Belt, it's all these Bible Belt habits that aren't even biblical. Human opinions, man-made standards, over-inflated spiritual disciplines, tying our worth and our joy to our performance as Christians. When Jesus said, my yoke is easy, legalism is heavy, the way of Christ is light. Listen, beloved, some of you, you need to free yourself from the inflated yoke of spiritual disciplines. And here's what I mean. I'm not saying don't read your Bible, don't pray. Of, of course, we, we enjoy God's word. We take it in, we pray. But what I am saying is don't yoke yourself to them. That your joy and that your righteousness, your worth, is, it is not tied to how much Bible you read, how much Bible you understand, how much you pray or how well you pray. You're yoked to Christ, the word made flesh. You're connected to him, there's a big difference of reading the Bible to prove ourselves than read the Bible to enjoy the person of Christ. We read and we pray because we live with Jesus. We're enjoying him, loving him, walking with him, not to top off our gas tank to make sure we have right standing with God. Stand firm against legalism and its tendencies because how serious it is. Look at verse two. Take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Now, Paul's starting to get fired up again. He tells the Galatians, if you get circumcised thinking, if you agree with these false teachers, thinking that if you do this, it makes you righteous, that this helps finish what Jesus did on the cross and the empty tomb, then Jesus will not benefit you at all. Whoa. Paul's saying, you want your works? 
you don't want Jesus then. If you want your works, you don't want Jesus. It's Christ or nothing. Listen, beloved, Jesus benefits those who rely on him and nothing else. Jesus doesn't need a booster seat. It doesn't need a nudge to save us. But the way that we can strip Christ of his benefits to us is by smuggling in our own behavior. The way you strip Christ of his benefits is to smuggle in your own behavior. We lose Jesus by adding to him. It is subtraction by addition. And Paul says, if we do that, Christ won't benefit you. You add circumcision, you lose Jesus because you clearly don't really just want Jesus. This is staggering because think about Christ in the gospels and all the people he encounters. Jesus benefits lepers who look to him. Christ benefits the diseased who call out to him. Jesus benefits the broken, the prostitutes, the tax collectors, the immoral, the undeserving, and they benefit from Christ because they look to him and him alone. But those who want to play the part of being a great Christian, of being a great person of God, of having all these good works, if you have an eye on Jesus and an eye on your good works, Paul says, Christ doesn't benefit that person because they still want their self. They still want their works. This is why Jesus says, no, come to me and you will be saved. Sell your goods and possessions. Come to me. Let go of the things that you hold so dear that you think are what make you you and come to me and you will be saved. The fence-riding legalists will not benefit from Christ. And it's not because Jesus is cruel, but because they really don't want what Jesus offers. That's where Paul goes in verse four. You who are trying, look at what he says, you who are trying to be justified by the law, be saved by your obedience, you are alienated from Christ. Trying to be declared righteous, be saved by our keeping the law, our performance. Paul says, you're alienated from Jesus. This is huge. Remember, these false teachers are saying, circumcision plus Jesus, that's how you get saved. Paul says, no, no, no. If you think trusting circumcision saves you, you are doing more than cutting off some skin. You are cut off from Christ. Literally, that word alienated here in verse four, it means cut off. So you think cutting a little skin is gonna save you? What it's doing is it's cutting you off from Jesus altogether. If you wanna fortify your justification and prop up your salvation with your works, you're telling Jesus to buzz off. I got this. It's cutting us off from him. It's shooing away the son of God. And sometimes we hear people talk about falling from grace. You've heard that phrase maybe. You know, so-and-so committed a big sin in the spotlight, in the national media or in church circles. Oh man, that, that person just had a real fall from grace. They totally fell from grace. Hear me. Falling from grace isn't committing big sins. Grace is for our sins. Paying for them. Redeeming us from them. That's what Jesus' death is for. And you know what falling from grace is? Verse four. You are trying to be justified by the law, are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. Legalism is falling from grace. Self-righteousness is falling from grace. Falling from grace isn't, oh, you better perform and do this, or, or if you don't, you'll fall. Paul says, no, relying on your performance means you fell. You've fallen. Beloved, what are you relying on right now? 
You don't ensure your righteousness. You don't back the cross of Christ with the collateral of circumcision or the collateral of, of your spiritual disciplines or your good works. If we bring, try to smuggle those in, we default. What are you relying on right now? This past week, what is the source of your confidence that you are saved? What's the comfort that eternal life really is yours? Is it Christ? It must be Jesus alone. His cross paying for your sins and his resurrection from the dead and nothing else. Don't get tripped up on tethering your actions to Christ. Keep running and keep trusting him in the race of grace. That's where Paul takes us next in verse five. Keep running in grace, knowing legalists are DQ'd. Look at verse five. So we eagerly await through the spirit, not our works, by faith for the hope of righteousness. We're saved by faith, not our works. We wait by the spirit. This is how we're saved. That's how we're made righteous, by faith. And look at verse six. This is, this is so helpful to us. Verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. Being circumcised doesn't make you more righteous. Being uncircumcised doesn't make you more righteous. You know what makes you righteous? Christ. No one benefits either way, circumcised or uncircumcised. Neither one advances you in terms of getting righteous before God. And this is a real kicker for us in the Bible Belt. This verse is like the haymaker punch against all the self-righteousness of the Bible Belt. Being Baptist or Presbyterian accomplishes nothing in terms of righteousness. Being Acts 29 or Anglican doesn't accomplish anything in terms of righteousness. Jew, Gentile, black or white, male or female, Republican or refugee, reformed or Arminian, homeschooling or not, abstainer from alcohol or amateur home brewer. <laughs> Accomplishes nothing in terms of righteousness before God. What does is faith in Christ. Look at what he says. Neither one accomplishes anything. What matters is faith working through love. Faith. Your faith in Christ displayed via love for God and love for one another. So keep running. Verse seven, he tells the Galatians, and thus you were running well. Who prevented you from being persuaded regarding the truth? Who tripped you up? Guys, no, the Christian life is a marathon. We need marathon faithfulness. I've seen it on TV. I'll never experience real marathon faithfulness, but I've seen it in the Olympics. You see the sacrifices. You see the tenacity. You see the locked in. Christianity, walking with Christ, this is not a, this is not a diet, a crash plan diet. It's not ketosis. It's not low carb or no carb or two carb. It's, it's not whole 30 bursts and then something else and something else. Christian life is the long haul. Running, walking faithfully with Christ. And you will be tempted by all kinds of things. Tempted to stop running for a little bit. You know, the, the Galatians were tempted with self-righteousness. The Corinthian church, just a few books earlier, they were tempted with unrighteousness. You will be tempted with all kinds of things. Keep running. Keep trusting. Keep going forward with Christ and Christ alone. And don't get tempted to buy. Don't, don't be tempted to buy the legalism pills the guy is selling out of his trunk in the church parking lot. Walk with Christ. 
And Paul says, look at what he says in verse seven. Who prevented you from being persuaded? Literally, who cut in on you? He's doing a lot of wordplay here with the word cut. In circumcision, you could be cut off from Christ. Who cut in on you to prevent you from running? In verse eight, this persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. He says, this is not from God. You're being peer pressured, and this is not from the Lord. Peer pressure is everywhere. And I've been peer pressured by so many people at this church to go camping. (laughs) It's never going to happen. And my wife, Natalie, and a few other ladies at church, all who jazzercise, all have been pressuring me and they're with their husbands, saying, we should all take a jazzercise class together. No. We'll all, we'll all take it together if you come. Come on, man. And Allie just tells him, Jeff will not be pressured. It's not happening. And I'm not going to name the names of the men who have fallen from grace either. <laughs> Paul says, look at this pressure you're getting and know this is not from God. Beloved, anything that keeps you from running the race of grace well isn't from God. It's either the way of man or it's the satanic powers. When these temptations, these forks in the road and these potholes of popping up that keep you from pursuing Christ, you must look and go, is this the way of Christ? Is this honoring Christ? Is this the way of the cross and the way of the empty tomb? Or is this the way of legalism? Is this the way of the Lord of darkness? Is this hindering me from running my race well? So I must press forward. I must move it. As Hebrews says, I must lay aside all the weights and sins that so easily entangle me. And I must run the race with endurance looking to Christ. And for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, as now seated at the right hand of the throne on high. Knowing there's a lot we must fight against. Verse nine, a little leaven leavens the whole batch of dough. This is a great insight from Paul to Jesus. In Matthew 16, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he tells them, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. And the disciples, of course, look at each other and go, we don't have any bread. We're in a boat, man. We don't, like, we don't have any bread here. Did you bring bread? Did you bring sandwiches? And Jesus goes, you guys don't understand. You guys don't understand what I'm talking about? And they're like, no, we don't. We never do. Like, <laughs> and he says, watch out for the teaching of the Pharisees because a little bit of their teaching spreads and infects the whole batch of dough. Listen, guys, Paul is telling you, not just the church leaders, He's telling you, watch out for the teaching of the legalists because just a little bit of it, it can infect the whole body. It can infect your whole small group. It can infect the whole church. It can infect a whole denomination for generations. And I think you know what I'm talking about. Watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees. And Paul says in verse 10, I myself am persuaded in the Lord. You will not accept any other view. He's pretty confident. I really do think you're gonna stay true and stay firm and and you're not gonna give in, but know this, whoever is confusing you will pay the penalty. These agitators are DQ'd. They will pay the penalty. They won't get away with this. They will be judged. And what's crazy is that these false teachers, they're even lying about Paul. Look at verse 11. This This is a weird verse. Weird in the context. Now, brothers and sisters, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? It looks like the false teachers are even saying, no, Paul teaches circumcision too. 
Paul just, he doesn't teach it all the time. We, we teach it better than he does, but Paul still preaches it. But look at what Paul says. If I still preach, so he did at one point. If you know about the Apostle Paul, he was the Pharisee of Pharisees. So when Gentiles would have converted to Judaism, Paul would have said, you gotta obey the law, you gotta eat this way, you gotta get circumcised, you gotta do all of this. So maybe they're appealing to Paul's past, using his past against him. Legalists will use your past against you and try to leverage your past into getting on their side. Stand firm. Your past is paid for in Christ. You have a new past. You have a new future in Christ. But I, but I think they're also, I mean, when Paul gets saved, he, he stops preaching that. He preaches Christ. But I think the false teachers are probably also twisting his words. You remember what Paul tells the Corinthians? To the Greeks, I become like a Greek. Well, you know what Paul says. He says to the Greeks, he becomes a Greek. And to the Jew, he becomes like a Jew. Paul said he becomes all things to all people. So of course, Paul preaches circumcision. And Paul's saying, no, I don't. Eating with Greeks and dressing like them and eating with Jews and dressing like Jews so I can tell them about the gospel is not the same as compromising the gospel. And Paul says, look at what he says. If I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? If I really still preach that, why do I get pelted with rocks everywhere I go? If I still preach that, why do a band of Jewish people follow me and cause riots everywhere I go? If I really still preach circumcision, if I preach what they preach, why am I shipwrecked at sea? Why am I in danger from them? Why do they want me to be killed? Paul says, I don't preach that. He says, if I did, look what would happen. Verse 11. In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. Paul says, no, I still preach the offense of the cross. What is the offense of the cross? Brothers and sisters, it's twofold. Crucifixion was disgusting, vile. You know, there's not a lot of details in the New Testament about crucifixion because everybody who lived under occupied Roman rule knew crucifixion very well and knew how vile and disgusting it was. They didn't need details. They saw it on public roads all the time. You were beaten and whipped, mangled, and crucified naked in public. Everyone was crucified naked. Women too. It was meant to degrade. I mean, all the pictures we see of Jesus, the paintings, that was just out of respect. It was meant to degrade, to humiliate, and torture. It was so offensive. And the offense of the cross now is that you have a group of people in the Roman Empire saying our king is a crucified king. Our king doesn't sit in some Roman palace being fed grapes and fanned. Our king was crucified and raised from the dead. This is the most offensive thing in the Roman Empire, that we worship a man who was convicted as a criminal, displayed on a criminal's cross, that we prefer crucifixion over our accomplishments is mega offensive. To say that all of the pomp of Rome is nothing, all the accomplishments of Caesar, all the accomplishments of all these philosophers and moral people, nothing. We want the cross. That's crazy offensive. And there's, another, there's another way it's offensive too. And I think this is probably, this is way more offensive to the Bible Belt and to legalism. The cross is offensive to our sensibilities because it says whoever believes in Jesus is declared righteous, equally righteous. 
The cross is no respecter of persons, meaning we're all sinners and we all need the righteousness of Christ. And when you believe in Jesus, you receive the righteousness of Christ equally as everyone else who believes in Jesus. So here's what I mean. The seminary president who grew up in a Christian home, believes in Jesus at a young age, is equally righteous with the man who believes in, in Jesus on his deathbed. Billy Graham, who preached Christ around the world, saw thousands profess faith in Christ, did mighty things for the Lord. Billy Graham and then a drug dealer on death row who believes in Jesus in prison, they have the same right standing before God because of Jesus. One is not more righteous than the other. Equally righteous in Christ. And the woman who got an abortion in college but believes in Jesus for forgiveness of sins is no less righteous than the homeschooling mom of six. Equally righteous in Christ. This is the glorious offense of the cross. Christ makes us righteous. Nothing else. We add nothing to it. And we don't damage his righteousness with our unrighteousness. He comes to our unrighteousness. He grabs our sins and puts them on himself and puts himself on the cross so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And we are made righteous by faith. And to think otherwise, to think our doing hurts Jesus or improves on Jesus's righteousness or finishes Jesus's righteousness gets Paul so mad. The maddest he gets in all the Bible in verse 12. I wish those who are disturbing you and your walk with Christ, your understanding of the gospel, your walking by faith, that they should let, I, they might also let themselves be mutilated. He is saying exactly what you think he's saying. If these guys are so sold out for circumcision, they should finish the job. That'll make them holy. They'll really be holy then. I'm a Jesus freak. You want to be a circumcision freak? Go the whole way. This is the most fiery line from Paul. Because he can't stand the gospel being compromised. It's too precious. It's too important. There was a cult in northern Galatia. This Sybil Greek goddess cult where they were cut themselves and do all kinds of things to worship her. And every year you had this festival and the men who were really dedicated to her would emasculate themselves, castrate themselves. So Paul's saying, you really want to go with legalism? You might as well join the civil cult as well because you're just like them. This is pretty offensive. You read it you're like, Eek. but I think Paul is offensive on purpose. Like you think verse 12 is offensive? Removing the offense of the cross is offensive. Removing the offense of the cross is the most offensive thing we could ever do. So fight. Stand firm and don't submit again to any yokes of slavery and yell like Oliver if you have to. Never. And keep running, trusting in Christ alone. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. 
To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.